That's what we're going to be looking at today as we look in chapter 12 of Matthew, verses 9 through 21. As you're turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12 to verse 9, we need to remember that back in chapter 11, verse 27, which we will be looking at briefly in just a moment, that is the pivotal point here. The pivotal point in the sense of Jesus performing all these miracles and teaching, letting the people know who he is. Building up to this and then boom, 27, he just flat out lets them know that he is the Messiah. And now from here on, from 20, uh, verse 27, chapter 11 on, it's a greater intensity. This is moving towards the cross. And there, the Pharisees and others, or uh, scribes and Pharisees, they're trying everything they can to find something on him to rid themselves of him. And so it is building up from here on out. And this is the building up process here. So in uh, verse nine, uh, chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And departing from there, he went into their synagogue. Now you know it's on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a, a man with a withered hand, and they questioned him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're trying to uh, get something on him, trying to get him to break the law or to agree with their teaching or disagree with their teaching and so uh, their tradition that they've added to it and and they ask him this and uh, they question him saying is it law, lawful to heal on the Sabbath in order that they might accuse him and he said to them what man shall there be among you who shall have one sheep and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and will lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So he just, he asks them the question first. They see the need there. And then he says, so it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and counseled together against him as to how they might destroy him. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and warned them not to make him known in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. And he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out. Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off. And a smoldering wick he will not put out. Until he leads justice to victory. And in the name of the Gentiles will hope. <clears throat> let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's just remember that. Here we see Jesus on the other side moving in a uh, rapid pace towards the crucifixion, towards the cross. And we see that in, intense anger and, and hostility against him builds 
as it moves faster and faster uh, towards the cross. And so let's uh, remember that as we look at this passage. Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful love, your grace, your mercy. I want to thank you for being with us, for being... um, or allowing us, excuse me, to uh, be here to worship you and to honor you. And I pray that we will. I pray that your anointing uh, of your grace will be uh, in such a way that we will be able to experience you the way that, that you would have us to. And I pray that you'll speak to us, that we'll not hinder your word and your spirit from speaking to us this morning in whatever way you so desire and I pray that in in doing so that we also will make the choice of being obedient as the spirit opens up our eyes and our hearts to your truth that we will make the decision that you would have us to so that we can leave this place truly rejoicing not in uh, some emotional aspect of it but uh, in the true inner being of of, uh, meeting with you and and allowing you to touch us in a very special way leading us, guiding us, convicting us, uh, showing us uh, what is needed in our life and us being submissive to that. Thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity. May we be obedient with what you direct us to do today and, and in that honor you and glorify you with our decision. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'll look in chapter 11, it says in verse 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come, and then he goes into the invitation. And so that's a pivotal verse. And now he says, okay, I'm letting you know that I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of David. And, And so I am letting you know that the one that you've been looking for is here. I mean, he's just flat out revealing this to them. He's letting them know that he's the Son of God. And so he's, he's also letting them know that he is the way. Just like over in John, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So he's letting them know this because they have been burdened down with the many traditions and, and uh, laws that have been added by the rabbis, by the Pharisees, by the teachers. Uh, to God's word and uh, it, it, some of it began as a, uh, a point of trying to protect themselves from breaking the law just like with grapes let's say that uh, grapes uh, you know it's a sin to eat grapes God forbid it's not but you know let's just say that it is well so somebody eats a grape what have they done they've sinned according to that law. Well, what do you do? Well, you want to protect them, so you say, well, what can we do to protect them and protect us? Oh, anything small and round, you cannot eat. So we build a hedge out there because it reminds us of eating grapes, and that's a sin. So you can't do that or you're going to sin. And then you break that law, and you say, hmm, how can we fix that? Well, let's go a little bit bigger. Anything round, like a, a melon or anything, you can't eat it because it might cause you to sin. And so somebody breaks that law. So you go to a bigger 
hedge further out and you say hmm anyone looking upon any of these round fruits are sinning so don't look upon them and then you can't help but look and say oh boy I'm hungry you know and so you sin you say hmm okay anyone even thinking about eating it is sinning. And you say, my goodness, how can you not think about eating? You see what is happening? I mean, it's become such a burden. I mean, that's ridiculous, I know, but this is how it's become in trying to protect them because man cannot do that. And God uses the, the illustration. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He uses that as an illustration to let them know that God created the Sabbath for man in the sense that so that they could rest. And why? Rest so that they could observe that the Creator is the God that they worship. And He created everything perfectly. And He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. And, and He's the one that we want to worship. And that's where we truly find rest, by trusting in him. And so they were to go out and tell other nations, but they didn't do that. Instead, it became inward, and they just kept on trying to protect themselves and building more and more laws or hedges around it, which were just traditions. And so Sabbath had become a point where they would rather work because they had more rest during a day of work than on the Sabbath, trying to observe all these traditions. And Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the fulfillment. What God created the Sabbath for originally was for you to trust in him who made everything perfect. Now I am the one since man has fallen, and man sure can't get it there by continuously performing all these works and doing these works. And so I want you to see that, how you failed in that. God never intended you to do that. He intended in you to just trust in him. And now, since you've sinned, I am going to take care of it once and for all. I am going to be fulfillment. I am the perfection of the Sabbath. I am the perfection of redemption. I am the one and only salvation and in me you can truly find rest. And this is what he was trying to teach them and show them. And so he illustrated it by coming here on, on the Sabbath and, and uh, doing this, uh, performing this miracle and, and carrying this out. And they didn't understand the purpose of it still. It was like a hamster. You know a hamster in, in a cage? They had become like that. And that's what the law will do to us. And man does this by nature. Man just gets on that wheel and he thinks he's going somewhere and he gets just worn out and he never gets there. Jesus has come to tell them, hey, you hamsters, I'm taking you off the wheel and out of the cage. And I want you to trust in me. That's where you'll find rest. 
They were to admire God in creation, realizing that he had completed creation perfectly. And now Jesus is saying, now I am fulfilling it all. And you are to trust in me because I am your perfect salvation. But you know, we look at that and we say, how ridiculous. Why couldn't they see this? Why couldn't they understand this? Well, and please, some of the older people here, don't misunderstand me. You're, you're my age and older. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not uh, running down anything. But when we were growing up, if you grew up in a Christian home, many of you had practices placed on you too, didn't you? Are there any laws according to this uh, Sunday, according to the day of uh, resurrection, the day that we worship the Lord? Did, did the Bible come up with any laws that we're to observe for that day? Your mother did, yeah. Mother, we couldn't go fishing, could we? Couldn't play, couldn't play sports. Now I'm not saying all this bad. They were, they were trying to teach us the importance of, of worshiping the Lord. I'm not saying not taking away from that. I think that part was good. But, but what what I'm saying is, see, we can do the same thing, and we have, as the Pharisees. We take that as being part of Christianity. You were a bad person if you did that. Not necessarily, were we? If we went to church. I mean, and you could not wash your car on Sunday. Even if you wanted it looking good for those girls that you went to see that night at church. <laughs> you couldn't do that. Not on Sunday. Now the thought about setting it apart is right. The thought about worshiping God and putting him above everything else is right. But making laws, you see what happens when we do that a lot of times. We just get further and further out. And we miss the whole point. And we do it. We should respect Sunday. And we should respect, and, and we should be here. I mean, that took the place in the early church of the Sabbath. It wasn't the Sabbath it didn't become another Sabbath, but it took the place in the sense of worshiping the Lord, the resurrected Lord. And we should do that, and we should be excited about that. But don't let us become like them in the sense of how ridiculous it becomes by living legalistically. You see, they had gotten to the point where it had, it had become so ridiculous that the Sabbath... If a patriarch was out in the field working or walking and tripped and fell, not working, but walking and tripped and fell, do you know that they could not, this is how ridiculous it got with them, do you know that they could not carry a cot out there that had two sticks to it, wrapping something around it, because they were afraid that if the wraparound tore with the person on it, and the, uh, the wood fell to the ground or it broke, it may make a burrow in the ground and it would be con con uh, considered working. 
Jesus says to them, I have come for you to find rest in me. Now people, we either live by grace or we live by works. It's one of the two. Now that doesn't say that we shouldn't obey the Lord. It just says that let's just make sure that we're not making up the laws ourselves to cover ourselves. Look at the occasion, chapter 9, verses 9 through 14. The time and place of it. Matthew tells us, And departing from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man with a withered hand, and they questioned him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, in order that they may accuse him? Matthew helps us understand that the Pharisees' question was not a legitimate question. They wanted to accuse Jesus, it says here. They wanted to place Jesus into a situation where he would ha either have to break the law or be shown to be subservient to their interpretation. In chapter 12, it contains five illustrations of opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's clear that uh, there is a growing antagonism towards the Lord here in this chapter and, and on further on as the chapters uh, uh, start unveiling themselves we'll see this the breaking of the sabbath traditions was a serious thing with the pharisees they held the highest regard not only and catch this not only for the mosaic law concerning the concerning the sabbath but also for their traditions their hedges that they have formed around the mosaic law for their protection they thought now look at the person that's in need here, that's, that's mentioned. And it says, in departing from there, he went to their synagogue, and behold, there was a man with a withered hand, and they questioned him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So tradition has it that the man with the withered hand was probably a stonemason, they said, who had been injured in, with his work, and now his livelihood was taken away from him. And so Luke tells us that the withered hand was his right hand so he goes into even more detail and you, you know the right hand was the hand that most of them used during that time and so in verse 10 we're told and behold there was a man with, with a withered hand behold look at the word behold that's very interesting it's for a notable act in other words if somebody comes in say the president of the United States let's say President Trump came in and he came in and his guards came in, everybody probably would turn around. You might even stand up for him, um, almost everybody. But at, you would notice him. This is what, how the word is used here. And it's very interesting, though, that it's used here because it was used usually with a prominent person like that. And how does Jesus use it? He uses it with the down and out. The outcasts, the people that most of them wouldn't notice or wouldn't even take note to say anything to, to especially not to help. And he uses it in that way. And so we see that uh, Luke tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees were watching, it says. And the word watching there is used uh, to mean to spy, to uh, watch uh, out of the corner of your eye to see what's going on you know try catch something 
So the behold was reserved for the Lord for the man with the withered hand. And uh, not for the dignitary as some might think, but that's the way Jesus looks at us. We're all important to him. This person was with a felt need and he was very important to Jesus. We all have our needs. And so in turn, we are important to the Lord. And with God, the simple person with that felt need is the one he regards as great. Why? Because with that, uh, that need, the man, as we're going to look at in a moment, he couldn't help himself. And that's the way he wants us. He wants us to come into his kingdom. And the only way that we can come into his kingdom is by faith, humbly bowing ourselves before him, recognizing that we can't get there on our own. And so their, their response there in verse 10, and they questioned him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They were already accusing the Lord. The phrase is spoken in the form of a, an accusation. It's much like what you hear on TV right now that's going, uh, going on in politics. You know, you're, uh, instead of, uh, you know, you're innocent until, until proven guilty, now you're, uh, you're guilty in, in, until you're proven innocent. And that's the way it was with them. And uh, we know that the man had a need. We know that he couldn't meet the need on his own. We know that the Pharisees were at the synagogue for the wrong reason. They don't show any genuine signs for uh, true worship, nor do they seem to even care for the man with the need there. And they all want to, all they want to do is spy out Jesus, it says. And, uh, and with that spying out, with the intent of trapping him, and they spent their worshiping time watching. Their condition was what some describe as pathetic. But then look at the response from the Lord in verses 11 through 12. And he said to them, What man shall there be among you who shall have one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now today I know that a lot of people would have trouble understanding what he's saying. Well you say, why are you saying that Mike? Well because a lot of people to begin with put too much uh, emphasis and too, uh, more importance on an animal than a person. So they're not going to understand this. I'm sorry. But human beings were the ones that were created in the image of God. The comparison Though difficult for many today in our, our society, we should try and understand it because the Lord is trying to teach us something here of how much more value then is a man than a sheep. During that day and time, animals were important. They were the livelihood of, of the uh, shepherd. And if one got trapped, then they got it out of the uh, the. Uh, the ditch why because there would be prey that would come along and destroy it and he would shepherd would take it back and treat it and take care of it and and put it in in uh, the place of safety with the rest of the sheep and so there was rescuing rescuing something in need and he says if you can understand it with a sheep which you should be able to understand how much 
more should you understand it with a human being who was made in God's image. Jesus is asking, you know, how can you insult the creator of this universe, the Lord of the Sabbath, by asking such a silly question? That's basically what he's saying. How ridiculous are you? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? First of all, Jesus declares the reality of it being lawful. Second of all, in verse 13, he demonstrates this reality. He says, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. You see, miracles were not designed just for the amazement of the people. People today think that's what miracles are here for, just for the people. No, the miracles during that day and time were to disclose who Jesus was. They were to let us know. It was one thing to declare that it was okay to, you know, to heal on the Sabbath. But it's another thing to fulfill that by doing a miracle. And he fulfilled the scriptures letting them know that the Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of Man, the Son of God, is the Messiah. So how do we know when the Messiah has come? He will fulfill the Sabbath. There will be rest in him. He will demonstrate the reality by way of his teaching and his miracles. The Lord's response is really interesting. It says, first, notice the word have. That you have the one that has one sheep. The Lord here is letting us know that his sheep are important to him. And he is a shepherd. Two, the word one suggests the concern of the owner of his sheep. He is concerned about us. And then three, in the Lucian account, there's an addition that we need to note. And it says, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to destroy it? Many people believe that this was a, a, a illumination here, a, a revealing of, of what they were trying to do to him. To destroy him. And then for the conclusion of the argument goes, is it lawful to heal? He didn't say that. He says, is it lawful to do good? That's what he said. So this is a benefiting act. It's benefiting the man. Wherefore, he says, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And this might, one might infer here from this that to refuse to do good is to do evil. And then we see the restoration of the man. He stretched forth his hand in faith and he was healed. And the opposition, the Pharisees, we, we read in all four Gospels, we see that they counseled together. This was a building up, a conspiracy, a plot to get Jesus out of the way. Now I want to say that if we stand firm for the Bible today, we cannot expect any less. There will be people that will be criticizing us, people that will, groups that will say that we're harsh and indifferent, uh, people that will say that 
that we are breaking their laws. People that will say that, you know, uh, we need to be dealt with. We need to uh, have the uh, exempt from the church taken away from, uh, from it and, and everything else. But we need to remember that every one in this world without Jesus Christ is only in their fallen state. And they don't want to know the truth. Because the truth hurts. You know, if a sinner looked into a mirror and saw how sinful he really was, he or she would not be able to accept it. So what do we do as sinners? Well, I'll tell you what sinners do. We're all sinners, and if we're Christians, we're sinners saved by grace. We don't want to hear how awful we are. We don't want to hear that we're sinners separated from God. We don't want to hear that there are none righteous, no, not one. We definitely don't want to hear that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We begin to carry on a journey, a journey, a journey of rationalization. This is why today Jesus is a huge threat to society and even to some church members who are living according to the flesh and not in the spirit. Jesus has proven his identity and he will continue. He has shown us that he is the only way and that to come to him we've got to come as sinners in need of salvation who cannot save themselves. In Ephesians it tells us what? For by grace are you saved through faith. Is that of yourselves? It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Why? Why not of ourselves? Not of works. Because if it was of works, we would be boasting about it. And that's what the Pharisees did. Have you come to Jesus by faith? Are you trusting in him by faith? Have you recognized that you're a sinner, separated from God, and the, that the only way that you're going to be born again is to ask for forgiveness? And that's by faith, and as a, the Holy Spirit deals with your heart and your life, you, you need to adhere to that, and you need to respond, because that is your opportunity. For God comes to you, and if you pass up that opportunity, you're passing up a wonderful step into eternity with Him. Each and every time you, re, you don't respond to that in a positive way, then you're hardening your heart towards God. We see what this does with characters throughout the Bible. Pharaoh who hardened his heart towards God. And kept on doing it. 
We need to, by faith, say, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to save me. I know that I can't do it myself. And I know I'm a sinner. I'm trusting in you. And just give your heart and your life to him. If you're here today, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're just disappointed, you're, you're not enjoying your walk, and, and because you don't have a closeness with the Lord today. Maybe it's become a walk of the flesh to the point where you're walking by sight and, and you're not having that communion with him on a day-by-day basis and, and you're not experiencing his grace the way that you should. Jesus says, if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he'll restore us. But we've got to, by faith, trust him. Maybe it's a difficulty that you're having. Maybe it's a problem at work, problem with your family, a problem with finances, whatever, and and you're just... You're just wrestling with it, so much so. And your your burden is so heavy. And he says, come unto me, ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this day.